So Bruce Arians moves to Buccaneers. Front office job, no longer the head coach. Uh, and then I'm leading this from Cowherd's thing. D.C. Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator. Todd Bowles promoted to head coach job. Did Tampa Bay make this move to appease Tom Brady in his return? No. They just took beloved head coach Bruce Arians and said, can you go and be in the office now? Uh, it's just a coincidence. Even though you and Tom Brady don't totally seem to really totally get along sort of all that well at all. Uh, but, you know, just just randomly we're just going to ask you, can you just resign as head coach and retire and then go into the, I mean, Obviously, obviously. I don't think I don't think Cowherd is for a second suggesting that there's anything to the contrary. There's anything I got to take this uh, sleeve off of my phone. That, that there's anything but a direct correlation between Bruce Arians uh, this week uh, leaving his post, if you will, as head coach of the Bucks because uh, Brady's coming back. I don't know why. Why didn't Bruce Arians like a month ago just say, "Hey, you know what? I think I." I think I'm done with the head coaching thing, and I want to try to wind down my career. So let me go sit in the front office, and uh, for this next season, and then we'll see what happens. And no, come on. It's weird too, because like Bruce Arians, and maybe because Brady is—he's I don't know. Brady is a certain way, even though Brady and Belichick, personality-wise, you know, there's one is a pretty you know smiley, seemingly happy-go-lucky kind of guy, and the other one is Belichick. <laughs> And he, he doesn't smile. As more moving on to moving on to Seattle, moving on to Cincinnati, moving on to Buffalo. You know, he he doesn't he doesn't give you much. He is just a a coaching machine with nothing but coaching and winning and championships on his mind. And but that's the similarity. So is Tom Brady. He has nothing on his mind but winning. That's all he wants to do. But I feel like maybe like Bruce, you would almost think like Tom being tired of the whole New England thing and sort of the, you know, not just the weather, but it is, it's very, uh, it's got to be tough. It's got to be so tough to play for that Patriots organization. It just has to be. Cam Newton couldn't hang. Um, you know, I, that was clearly not a not a match. And And Belichick went out of his way to like, did you ever hear Belichick compliment Tom Brady? No, never, never. Other than just like just a very generic, he's a great competitor. He's a real a terrific competitor. <laughs> yeah, he loves to win. You know, there was nothing ever specific, right? Like, of course he wants to win. There was nothing ever like, oh man, you know, Brady is just the greatest quarterback of all time, and you, that that play that he did, you know, you never hear anything like that. No, no real direct praise for Brady ever. Belichick had nothing but praise for Cam Newton, which I think is just because I think Brady can handle a lot more as far as just like tough coaches who aren't, you know, no nonsense, no bullshit. And Boston is a about as no nonsense, no bullshit as it comes. It really is. And I know from being, I've been here for seven years now. And I've worked for several companies that are based out of Boston. I've worked many years right smack dab in the heart of Boston. People just aren't fucking around here, like, at all. They're just not. They're not. They're not. They're not up. You know, it's just, like, it's tough living. It's It really is. It's, like, a tough, you know, the weather's tough. I'm from a place that has tough weather. 
but the people are not as like because i don't know maybe because we don't have to like people there don't really mostly have to ride the train and have to just it's it's so expensive here it's so it's cold and it's expensive and you know, you want a good job with the good pay, you're probably going to have to be somewhere in or around the Boston area. And you're also, no matter how good your pay is, you're, you're not, it's not going to be super easy to afford living right, you know, within a, within a reasonable 15 or 20 minute commute. It's just, it's just not, not happening. You talk to anybody who in an office, uh, People are coming from all over the place. It's crazy how far. And I always think, boy, I'm coming from far away because I'm in a, to a different state commuting to Boston. And there's people commuting from the same state. They're even, far, I mean, people in like Worcester and beyond. It's just, a, I don't, I'm, going, I'm going off on a thing here, but it's like, it's just, it's tough. So people aren't like in the mood for bullshit. <laughs> people just aren't shitting around. And when it comes to sports, People are very, oh my God, people are very, very serious about the sports here. Very serious. Um, and so Brady, uh, but I think Brady had a, uh, you know, got tired of, yeah, the weather and just 20 years of like, man, not even just like a good job, dude. Um, and it's it, it's just not that kind of place. And Cam Newton came from a place where and that's why I've, I've said it a million times. Charlotte is never. There will be no team in Charlotte that will ever win a championship. I, I'm telling you, not in my lifetime, anyways. Um, as much as I root for the Hornets, and they are officially, as of last night, with the victory over the Knicks, they have clinched a a playoff spot of some kind. Uh, you know, are they going to go far in the play? No. Every few years, the Hornets get into the playoffs, and people get remotely excited, but you know, not that excited. Uh, and they're they're out in the first round. I think in in the last ten years, I think there was I don't think there was even a year that they made it to the second round. They had a couple good first round appearances, and not a whole hell of a lot else. And that's that's about it. Carolina has gone to the, to the Super Bowl a few times and never won. Um, so, yeah, I mean, could they could they win a champ? Maybe. That's not to say anybody can't, but I just don't see it happening. And I say that because it's a very, it's a very sort of easygoing place. And that doesn't mean just because a place is easygoing that you can't win things. It's a very, I mean, there's a lot of incredibly successful people. It's like it's the banking hub of the universe. So you have... You have some, you know, you have very competitive, very smart, very serious people there. But it's in general, it's like it's the South. The weather's a little warmer. It's like, OK, yeah, oh, you, did, you gave it your best shot. Try again next year. And so Cam Newton came to New England. And that's that ain't what's happening here. If you fucking win the Super Bowl and you come up and let's say let's say you have like a, not even a good. Let's say you win the game the next season. The Patriots win the Super Bowl. And they come back in the first game in September and they win it, but they win it against like, let's say Jacksonville and they just barely win it. Like they just eke out a win. The fucking fans are going to take a shit all over that team. Relent, like it's over. This team sucks. Retire. Fuck you. You go home. It's like crazy. There's just no room for error. And that's what it's, that's kind of, a, that's kind of Boston in a nutshell, which if you see how the fucking, 
some of these trains operate, you'd be like, oh, there seems to be a lot of room for errors. <laughs> if you see how the MBTA functions, like I, I think they actually do have a room for error. Uh, anyway, um, but uh, I think even though Tom – see, I think that's the thing. I think everybody – I think most people have the same general attitude. It's not like to say like Boston is really focused on winning. That doesn't mean that other places. That doesn't mean Tampa or Charlotte or L.A. or warm weather places or even other cold weather places are like, yeah, we don't care. No, everybody's everybody's got the same thing. It's just there is – Boston has this like maniacal fixation with just like it's – you know, that fucking chant, no days off, no days off. And then somehow there was a survey that came out that said Massachusetts has like the best quality of life of anybody, the happiest people, because they work the few, like overall, like people in, in Massachusetts work fewer hours than any, anyone else in the country. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then you think about it, it's like, oh yeah, that's actually true because there's like, there's a handful of people like me who are working all of the hours so that the rest of the assholes who don't do anything uh, can just, uh, whatever, just fucking dick around. Uh, anyway, my point is Belichick and Brady are very much, they're, they're two, two sides of the same coin. Brady is uh, just as focused and serious and no nonsense about winning and the championships and being the best, obviously, as anyone, more than anyone else. You know, in that different that different stratosphere of determination and fixation on winning, like a Tiger Woods, like a Michael Jordan, you know, any of these, like a Sea Biscuit. <laughs> I don't know, um, <laughs> like a John Cena. No, uh, but it's yeah, but uh, just that that mentality that so few can fully understand. And so Boston was a good place for him because that's that's what it's like. But it's also like well, you don't – it's not like they have the market cornered here in Boston on, you know, being focused on success and winning and stuff like that. That's that's anywhere. I think maybe there's just like – because uh, I've worked for some places in Boston that are just – everybody is fucking yelling at each other and they demand perfection and they demand this. and And those are usually the places that are the most like – just piss poor, like, how are the lights staying on? And then you go, there's other places in Boston and other areas where I've worked where it's like, yeah, we're all, we're all working really hard. We're all trying to, you know, keep the, keep the wheels moving. Uh, but we don't, you know, we don't need to scream at each other and be assholes all the time. And I think that's, that's what, you know, Brady said, hey, Tampa Bay, I think can offer me this. And that's why it's funny because I feel like Bruce Arians is exactly that kind of guy who can be a hard, I'm sure he can be a hard ass and a tough guy, but he seems, he seems like a very likable guy. But you know what? Sometimes personalities just clash. So I'm sure Brady and Arians, you know, maybe they had a little bit of a honeymoon stage. I remember it was pretty early into the, the 2020 season, uh, Brady's first season with, with Tampa. And Arians made some comment because Brady didn't have a very good day. And he's like, yeah, yeah, the quarterback didn't do so well today or something like that. And it was like, uh Oh, <laughs> and maybe that's why, maybe that's why Belichick keeps his mouth shut. Cause you didn't hear him say anything complimentary towards Brady. You never heard him sh- like shit on the guy either. And, and for Brady, probably hearing your coach said, yeah, the QB could have been better today is uh, is probably something that's going to just like stick in his craw forever. But you know, they made it through the season and they won a Super Bowl. So like, okay, let's come back and do it again. 
and B.A. is the head coach, and I don't think it got any better. They had a nice time winning the Super Bowl, and then they came back this last season, and I think I think maybe the honeymoon is officially over, and Brady realized, like, yeah, I don't want to play for this guy, and I'm just going to fucking retire and and maybe see what happens, and uh, I don't know. So anyway, I yeah, I think there's no way that Bruce Arians' departure as head coach uh, is not completely, totally, 100% related to Tom Brady announcing that he's coming back for one more season. And maybe, maybe it's just like maybe there was a little meeting to say, listen, dude, we put you in the office for a year. If, uh, you know, I think Brady will probably come back for just this one last season. You know, we'll see how they do. Obviously, if they win a Super Bowl, you know, whatever. But but just, you know, hang out in the office, do the office stuff. And then, you know, maybe you maybe there's a spot for you to come back and coach uh, after Brady leaves. You know, and maybe there maybe there's something there. I'm this is purely just me. Just like I don't know anything about Will Smith and Chris Rock. I don't know what's I'm just I just guess I watch. I do what the rest of us slobs do. I sit on my fat ass. I see one little thing and then I and then I come up with uh, like all of the reasons behind it and a full analysis based on nothing. And that's what I'm doing right now. And I don't know that I'm too much different than a lot of these guys other than, you know, somebody like a Cowherd or a Dan Patrick or a Mike Greenberg or a Jim Rome. These people could say similar things, but they are also fairly well connected uh, in the professional sports world to a lot of insiders and coaches and players and things like that and i i have none of that but i also i'm connected to other i'm connected to my life experience and although i don't play football in the grand scheme of things a lot of stuff is really all kind of the same right it's there's a lot of politicking involved in things and there's you know there's different the the personalities translate there's a handful of personality types. It's just because, like, if I'm in an office with a bunch of people in suits and ties, uh, it doesn't mean attitude-wise and personality-wise that there's a lot of difference between that and, you know, those who are working in the, the NFL or the NBA or anywhere else. Um, so eh, I feel like I feel like I'm probably not too far. I mean, I don't think you have to you don't have to know anything about anything to say like, wow, what an interesting coincidence that Bruce Arians is no longer the head coach just a, a week or two, three, whatever it is after after Tommy Boy announces that he's he's making the comeback. So uh, there was something else I wanted to mention. And now I just just popped out of my mind. Something about football, something about sports. Ah, damn it. Son of a gun, son of a bastard, son of a bitch, son of a bitch. I'm I'm pacing now to try and figure out basketball. Was it bad? I almost had it again for a second. Almost, isn't that weird? Like a thought moves out and then it's like, oh wait, it's almost there and it's gone. And that's uh, damn it. All right, well, I can't. I I have no idea. Bruce Arians, Tom Brady. Uh, the thought left my mind. It's going to drive me nuts for the rest of the day. Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, but it's... Uh, fuck. God damn it. That drives me crazy. Well, listen. 
that's it for now. I just, I don't know. I want to, it's been what, like, how long have we been talking about? Oh, that's what I got. I got it. Yeah. Chris Rock. Chris Rock was in town last night. Yeah. Switch gears briefly. And I think I, 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 I believe I called that exactly as it, as it would happen. I think I said that Chris Rock will probably not spend much of this tour talking about the Will Smith thing. Uh, I said that I believe Chris Rock will come out and probably make some kind of, you know, he'll make some kind of little comment about alluding to it, but, you know, just like a cute little ha ha ha, you know, like, hey, you know, did you guys, uh, did you guys watch any, uh, you guys watch the game this weekend? Anything else on TV? Something like that. And that's pretty much what he did. He came out and he said, hey, so how was your weekend? And everybody laughed. They gave him a long standing ovation. He got from reports, he got very emotional, you know, had to wipe his tears a few times, had to wipe his eyes, um, which is nice. Uh, and he got a standing ovation and he spent what sounded like maybe a minute at the most. I think I said, I think I said somewhere between 30 and 90 seconds is about all you're going to get from Chris Rock on, uh, on the Oscars thing with Will Smith the other night. And I think that's about it. He got a, a, probably a longer standing ovation than the time he spent talking about it. And from what I read, I don't have it in front of me anymore. Who cares? But uh, he basically, yeah, he made that joke. He said, so what did you guys do this weekend? They all laughed. Uh, and he said, look, <laughs> uh, I have a lot to say about Sunday night. I just want to let you guys know if you came here expecting a whole show about that. I have a whole show already written. I have jokes that I spent all this time working on and that's what that's the plan for this tour that's the plan for this show so i'm sorry if you came hoping that i was going to spend like two hours talking about the oscars this is not the time or the place where that's going to happen that timer basically said i have things that i want to say i have things that i will say i will be writing material about that there will be a time and place for me to talk about that but tonight I have material that I've already written, that I've already planned, and these are the jokes that I'm going to tell. So sorry if you came here for Oscar stuff, but we're going to just have a fun time and talk about, you know, I'm going to tell you jokes that I, that I already wrote for this. And then some other time uh, we'll have, uh, you know, there'll be, there'll be jokes about, uh, you know, there'll be things that I have to say. And he, and he said too, he said, you know, we'll talk about another day. We will talk about the Oscars. He's like, and some of it, uh, you know, I have very serious things to say, uh, you know, something along the lines of, you know, a combination of, of anger and sadness and we'll have laughs too and all this stuff. But today's not that day basically. And, and that's it. And that's, I, I think, I mean, you heard it, you heard it here on the birthday boy podcast. I don't, I don't think I was too far off, uh, between what Chris Rock, what I said, uh, Chris Rock would say. And what he actually said in Boston last night. Let me just let me just see. Chris Rock says he's still processing. That's Rolling Stone. I have a comedy show I wrote before all this shit. The comedian told a sold out crowd, mostly avoiding. Yeah. So he goes. So how was your weekend, at Chris Rock? I'm sure he said it more funny than I did. Uh, early in the day, three thousand blah 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 blah. Anyway, he remained silent. What? Let's see. Uh, where is it nothing about will smith Uh nothing about will smith 
You guys just wasted all your fucking money. An angry audience member exiting the 7.30 p.m. show barked. Oh, please. What did you think? You paid... Indeed, after warmly receiving a standing ovation, Rock, resplendent in an all-white suit and basketball sneakers, explained to a rowdy, audibly inebriated 10 p.m. crowd that he was still processing what happened at the Oscars. I have a comedy show I wrote before all this shit, he said, confessing that as far as he's concerned... The worst thing that happened to him over the weekend was finding out his daughter didn't get into the University of Southern California, and that was that. What followed instead was a riotous 75-minute set, constructed much like his most recent 2018 comedy special, Tambourine, a barrage of bracing topical humor in the first half, shifting into more personal confessional reflections in the second. Given all that's occurred in the world the last time Rock toured, he's got more than a few outrageous heretical insights still delivering them, blah, 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 blah. Uh... America's done, closed for business. He lamented the COVID-19 wasn't deadly enough to unite that. Anyway, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to read this very, very long. Well, I guess it's not that long. Uh, for me, a non-reader, it's long. Uh, Fox News, let's see. Fans react after Chris Rock's show in Boston. I want my money back. It's because you're an idiot. You're an idiot. I, I told you the other day, I looked at the ticket prices, and if the ticket prices, if the ticket prices had been like 50 bucks, I'd be like, hmm, maybe I'll go check it out. Even a hundred, it's like, well, Jesus Christ, to go see Chris Rock for that's that's pretty good. Even at three fifty five, I said, you know what? Even if he doesn't spend more than two minutes talking about the Oscars, you want to see a Chris Rock show is, you know, that's 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 pretty cool. But I'm not I'm not paying those those amount. I think uh, I think we paid somewhere between sixty and seventy bucks a pop to go see Norm McDonald, which I thought was very very reasonable. In 2003, we saw Jerry Seinfeld. I think it was $50 each, maybe $75 each, something like that, uh, which I also thought was very, very reasonable. By the way, when we saw Seinfeld at the Palace Theater in Albany back in 2003, the fans were such fucking pieces of shit. It makes you like how anybody wants to do stand up comedy. They were such fucking goobers. They really were. Like Seinfeld, I mean, he got heck. I mean, it wasn't even heckled. It was just like people just want to be part of the show. And it's like, you're not part of the show. We're not paying to see you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like Jerry did a whole, you know, he did the whole Newman thing. He does, he is interactive with his audience. And he, you know, and somebody's like, hello, Newman, you know, and he's like, you want me, you really, he's like, you seriously, after all these years, you want me to do hello, Newman? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, come on, do hello, Newman. And uh, and he did. And he's like, but he has a whole buildup. He's like, you can't just say hello, Newman. He's like, you have to, you have to imagine what I'm like. As Newman approaches, and there's a knock on the door. And I open the door, and there, and he goes through. It's a whole setup. It's just, it's brilliant. It's a whole setup. And and Jerry's like, and then and then Newman walks in. And I look him up and down, and I say, and then as Jerry's saying it, some fuckhead a few rows away just yells, Hello, Newman! As Jerry Seinfeld is saying, Hello, Newman! So it just, like, you still heard it, and it was still great, but it's like, Why would you do that? Shut up! You just ruined it. And I'm not even that close to this person. You ruined it for everybody. People are so goddamn stupid. We don't we don't deserve a lot of the entertainment that we get because we don't know what to do with it. Which is a simple thing. When you go to see a show, the simple thing is you can sit and shut the fuck up 
unless it's time to cheer or, you know, applaud or something like that, then great. Stand up and cheer and clap your hands and everything. Otherwise, when the person you're paying to see on a microphone has the microphone in his or her hand, you shut the fuck up. Anyway, but it's like, it's what kind of, what kind of idiot goes to Seinfeld in 2003 when he's already like a, me- he's a megastar. The show is over for five years and he's, he's huge still. He's back doing comedy. It's great. And then, and then Chris Rock and these people are like, huh? hey, he didn't do it. These are the, these aren't the bozos who are like the Chris Rock fans who bought tickets months ago when they went on sale. I didn't buy tickets. I thought I, on the podcast, you heard me. I, I opened up the thing. I said, Hey, I wonder how much it costs to go see Chris Rock. Whoa, 350. No, thank you. I'll hear about it. I'm sure he's going to talk about it for a minute and that's it. And then back to his jokes and we'll hear about it for free the next day. And that's exactly what happened. I almost as oh, as though I have a crystal ball. I basically told you exactly what would happen. Uh, at the Chris Rock show, and it's exactly what happened. He talked about it for a minute. I don't even know if he talked about it that long. I said 30 seconds, maybe 90 seconds at the most, or two minutes, or whatever I said. And I don't even know it was that much. Reactions were missed after mixed after Chris Rock performed at the Wilbur Theater in Boston just days after Will Smith slapped him at the Oscars. Only briefly addressed the fallout, saying he's still kind of processing what happened. Never mentioned Smith by name. Uh, attendee, one attendee told Fox News Digital, Fox News Digital, I want my money back. I didn't, (laughs) here we go, here we go, this is so great. I didn't pay $400 to see nothing. Oh my God. And then another, who is a Chris Rock fan, Wilbur Theater is nice, by the way, that's, that's a good, 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 good place. Um... Another explained that they were happy that Rock stuck to the original joke saying, we didn't just come here for that. I mean, that's the difference. You either had Chris Rock fans who were going to go see his jokes no matter what and probably had a brain on their head and said, yeah, he's probably not going to say too much about the Oscars for a number of reasons. First of all, he's already made a shit ton of money selling tickets for this tour. Why, Why give you two shows? You're here to see the material that he wrote. Now he can do a whole separate tour and a Netflix and get tens of millions of dollars to have a whole thing, a whole hour or however long it is devoted to the Oscars, devoted to the slap. So, of course, he's not going to come out and have a whole thing. Um, You know, I, I didn't even know he was on tour. That's why I said the other day, like, man, if I'm Chris Rock, I just spend the next like week or two weeks or however long it takes just you know just feverishly writing stuff and then calling netflix and being like how soon should we set this up get me a theater get me an audience <laughs> and let me you know pack them in get the cameras set up i'll take care of the rest i'll do the jokes uh of course i didn't realize he's on tour and he's got a whole thing with kevin hart coming up so of course he's not going to just like rewrite the whole thing and and, and do it in a day that's like I, people think it's just so fucking easy Oh, it's Chris Rock. He can just write a, he'll just write an entire new stand-up special and not practice it, not try it out on anything. And he'll just come uh, to this tour, all these people who paid money to see the jokes that he wrote months ago or years ago. 
Yeah, of course. He's going to make tons of money off this tour. He's going to spend every show for a minute or two talking about the Oscars and just letting people know, like, if you came here for that, sorry, we're not doing it. And then in a year from now, he's going to have a whole thing. And I still think he'll pro- – I still th- I say um, – and maybe not, because I, would, I wouldn't want anything to do with Will Smith ever again if that happened to me, frankly. But, you know, talking about, like, dollar signs and stuff, I, like I said, the answer to everything is money. And I could see, I still, I still can see uh, some kind of sit-down. I don't think it'll be on, on Jada's red table thing or whatever it is, because um, uh, that's not neutral territory. Can Will Will Smith go on her thing? Of course, I could see that. But I've, I'm telling you, this is just this whole thing just reeks of like Oprah. Oprah sitting down with the three of them on Mother's Day or something, and uh, and having you know, and they watch the footage and they have it out, and we don't know what's going to happen, and we're all glued to see what these guys do and how this ends up. And maybe it ends up that they hate each other just as much as before. Maybe it ends up that they hug and shake hands and, and cry and everything's good. But goddamn, there's some fucking, there's some money to be made in that kind of special. And then there's a whole bunch of money to be made for a Chris Rock special going all over the country, going all over the world talking about it. And Will Smith is, I don't know, you know, he's Will Smith. Like, he'll he'll rebound, I guess. I mean, you know, <laughs> Alec, Alec Baldwin's like, you know, just back on Instagram and he's out having a good time. He shot and killed somebody. Not intentionally, of course, but still, I'm not Alec Baldwin. I don't know what it's like, but I can tell you. I would have a very hard time just getting back out and doing all that shit, even though it's been many months since that happened. But anyway, uh, yeah. So, so people, I think you've got the Chris Rock fans who went there knowing that he probably wasn't going to say too much and just happy to be there to see their, one of their favorite comedians. Um, yeah. Another fan said it was fun. Chris Rock didn't say anything about it. He had pre-written everything. I wasn't disappointed that he didn't talk about it, but it would have been cool, another man. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's the attitude. It's like I would have gone there hoping to hear him talk about the Oscars and expecting him to probably not say too much about it, uh, but just enjoy the jokes. Uh, after the show ended at 9, lines were already forming for the 10 p.m. show. Boston police stood by ready to react to unruly behavior. At the middle of the show, there was an altercation involving a father and son. They interrupted the show prompting Rock to stop the show and ask them, are you all right? The, f- the father-son duo was promptly removed by security and Rock resumed the show. However, moments later, Rock once again paused the show since attendees could hear muffled yelling from the hallway coming through the door. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, later, a local reporter told Fox News Digital they were kicked out by security and pepper sprayed by police. The Boston Police Department... Did- oh, man. I don't, I don't see... Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I don't, I feel like there's not like the planet in general. I don't know about the planet, but this country, uh, we're not, we're not doing so well with the, with the, uh, the whole experiment, the whole human existence experiment. I feel like a father and son getting into a fight at the Chris Rock show. Like what the fuck? He's just telling, he's telling Jeff, what the fuck? 
Uh, every everything's crazy. I don't know. Isn't every does do you feel am I the only I like I, does anybody else just feel like weird all the time? And I didn't always, you know, I talked about stress and feeling shitty a lot of, you know, especially the last like 10, 12 years. But it's uh there were moments in there that just felt like, I don't know, and maybe it's just my own sort of naivete. But I just felt like, yeah, all right, everything's everything's okay, and everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> and not to put a damper on the proceedings, but sometimes I'm like, I don't know. I don't really think that's true. And the last two years have not helped. When you see how how unwilling so many people are to just be decent and go through some like modest inconveniences to try and help the greater good, and nobody wants to do that. Or at least 50% of the people have no interest in doing that. And a bunch of percentage of the people will do that for like a short amount of time and then be like, yeah, no, I'm done. Uh, and then the fucking yeah, everything else, you know, this, this fucking four foot seven Russian douchebag topless on a horse, the horse, the, the horse fucker, the Russian horse fucker. Uh, is out there doing horrendous things, and it's like, and that, that's the first thought too, right? When Will Smith slaps Chris Rock, it's like, ah, shit. Uh, we're going to be talking about this for a long time, and there's all these other things going on that are like literally people are just dying at the hands of tyrants on, a, on an hourly basis, as a, at a moment, at a, every second, every minute, whatever. And we're going to be, we're going to spend a good chunk of the next week talking about, and I'm just as much to blame because I, it's a weird thing. Like I, you know, I've seen people be slapped. I told you I've done it myself to this fucking guy who was just being an asshole who is still a friend. I still really like the guy. And then one night I just, I hauled off and smacked him a few times and I still feel bad about it. But there's something that's just so unsettling. It's like, wow, you know, he just, just, it's weird. Like, what are we coming to? Like, this guy just walks up and smacks the guy. It's weird, man. Everything's just fucking weird. Everybody's so goddamn angry about everything. Oof. Man, oh, man, right? Anyway, it's time to go. I got to get some lunch. It's lunchtime. And then it's uh, it's back to the grind. I don't know. I just miss the old days. I'm like, I, I'm longing. I'm, I'm a very nostalgic person. And uh, my very, very, very good friend, my my bestie, Rebecca, had her birthday yesterday. Happy birthday to Rebecca. <clears throat> uh, the Bexter, as I think she likes to be called. <laughs> um, one of my f- favorite people, and she's married to another one of my favorite people. It's one of the many Barnes & Noble couples that exist in this world. From the very, sh- you know, from that very short period of time, it's like, wow. Look at all these people uh, who are who are Barnes and Noble people, and and they got married to each other. They were coworkers, just like I wasn't Barnes and Noble, but KB Toys. I married my coworker. Well, I married my I married my manager. <laughs> um, and anyways, it was Rebecca's birthday yesterday, and I forgot where I was going. Oh yeah, but I post. You know, Facebook tells you like, hey, it's uh, it's Rebecca's birthday. Will you, will you um. Would you like to share a, a picture of you together? Like, yeah. And there's pictures of our buddy Les's wedding, which was such a fucking. I, that was August of 2014. I flew up on a Friday 
evening after work. I went home, kissed and hugged the wife and kids, uh, grabbed a little backpack, went to the airport, hopped on a plane, uh, got to my, stayed at my parents' house in New York, got up the next day, uh, went and got some wedding gifts for the happy couple, stopped by my grandmother's house, spent an hour or two sitting at her kitchen table like old times. I didn't know that that would be the last time that I would sit with her at her kitchen table. I would, I would sit at her kitchen table again, but she wouldn't be there because then a, a month, uh, two months, three months later, she moved down to, to the Carolinas to be near, uh, near the rest of us and, and all that. But after I sat with my grandmother and watched golf and made jokes and ate some donuts and then I went home and got changed and then I went to, I don't even know where the place was. <laughs> I don't even remember some beautiful location and had the time of my life just drinking scotch and dancing with my friends and dancing by myself and making jokes and just like, oh, it's just it was awesome. And I, I posted a picture from that night and I, I said, it's almost hard to look at this picture because A, it makes me so happy that I could burst and B, it's been, it's been so fucking long it's been so goddamn long since there's been, you know, the last time that was like that where there's like a group of us together. It's been over two years since I've seen like anybody, any, you know, friends from, from you know, my oldest and dearest friends. And uh, yeah, I guess I just, that's what I miss. You don't realize this when you, when you move away. And I tried to, I tried to tell other people, I try to tell other people because there's nothing wrong with moving away. I think everybody should like spend some time not living in the place where you grew up. You know what I mean? Even if it's just a few hours away, just like find someplace else to kind of, to kind of settle in. And maybe that's a forever place and maybe not try to pick a place that you like and go there for maybe it's a few years. Maybe it's one year. Maybe it's a decade. Maybe it's forever. I don't know, but I think it's always a good thing. And, but I also think like, you know, also, also evaluate the current situation. Is there anything wrong with the current situation? No. Then maybe just like, maybe go on a vacation someplace. <laughs> because my God, I just didn't, re- it's been 12 years since I lived in New York. And it's like, it's, it's still like, it's a tremendous, I'm going to be honest, is a, is a trauma. Uh, for myself and for my wife. And I wonder too sometimes because the oldest child was a baby when we moved and the oldest child is uh, very stressed out and has like high anxiety and stuff. Boy, they handle their shit so well. It's so fucking impressive. And the youngest does too, but she's not a, uh, she has social anxiety, but I don't know about like a, you know, a general anxiety, just about like everything. (laughs) And I wonder too, like, did we, did we, in addition to our genetics, like did the situation that we were in, like, you know, kids absorb things, even though she, there were, we're talking babies. And so I just wonder, cause it was like, I think about it and the sadness that I felt and my wife felt when we left New York, it was, I've, I have lost friends and I've lost family members and I have cried over, you know, people who have grandparents in particular, most recently, uh, and other relatives, uh, uh, aunts, uncles, and things like that, um, who have left this planet never to return. And it's, you know, when my grandfather died, I, you know, I just cried for days 
and nothing, I nothing comes close to the amount of crying I did in the days and weeks leading up to and after uh, moving away from New York and moving to Florida. Why? Because there was nothing bad happening in New York. There was everything I wanted and needed was right there. And I just, I said, uh, you know what? I probably for my career, I should go do this. And then I did. And it was like, oh my God, why? Why did you do that? (laughs) And now I don't regret it because I went and I met some of the most incredible people who I'm still great friends with to this day. And then I went to other places and met more incredible people that I'm still friends with to this day. And there's, there's just like, there's a heartbreak and there's, what's that Andrew Garfield thing? Like he's talking about his mother dying and that he'll never get over it because grief is like, it's the love that you didn't get to express while they were alive or something like that. And there's like, yeah, there's like, there's a sadness over, when you move, what I'm trying to say is when you move away from someplace, when you leave people or when they leave you, and it doesn't have to be dying. It could be moving. That's just as sad and just as traumatic as death. We, we said that back in August of 2010 when we were moving to Florida. And we, I, like, Kimmy and I would just be, like, sobbing. Like, I, I can't believe. And, 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 we would, and then we would stop and be like, listen, nobody's dying. Everybody's still alive. It's just we can't, you know, we can't have access to them every day in person. And we can always come back and this and that and nobody. But, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, nobody, (laughs) nobody's dying. But also it's kind of like you're dying a little bit. It sounds to some it might sound overly dramatic. But this is my experience was like it's a it is a trauma of sort. There's like a PTSD kind of thing because having spent so many years just being able to like, Hey, you guys want to get a drink? Hey, what are you guys doing this weekend? Let's hang out. You know, whether it's friends, whether it's like going to my parents for Sunday dinner, going over on a fucking Thursday night to sit with my grandmother, uh, while she makes us spaghetti and meatballs in her famous sauce and, uh, and watch jeopardy and watch wheel of fortune and watch whatever, uh, you know, the office or something, the 30 rock, you know, watch sitcoms, uh, what was on at the time. And, and then just go home and just, I remember just so many times just feeling so good. Like your heart feels full, right? And then, and then you've like, then, then all of that's gone. And it's like, I'm the one who made that decision. And I will admit when I say I'm the one who made that decision, that was a bullshit thing because I didn't give, I didn't give a whole lot of say or a lot of weight to, to what the wife wanted to do. And she felt the same as me. She didn't want to go. I didn't want to go either. I just felt like I, we have to. It's like a gut feeling. But it's also a fucking gut punch when you leave. And then you think, when you really think about it, it's like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to just see these people anytime I want to. And what if we never move back? And that's how it is forever. And it's like a, it's a fucking weird thing. And I told that to my in-laws when they moved to North Carolina. Uh my mother-in-law was really excited. My father-in-law, not so much. They both love it there. They're great. They're happy. Everybody's, you know, seems to be very, very pleased with that decision. But I said, look, <laughs> yeah, one of the things you don't fully realize until you pull the trigger on something like that is the people that you love that you're so used to seeing on a daily basis when you move away from them, that's it. You're not, you can, you can maybe even count on, 
on two hands. Maybe for some people, you can count on one hand the number of times you're going to see them in person for the rest of your life. It sounds crazy, but you think about it. It's like, yeah, we're not, it's, it's just, it's weird. You know, I'm, I, the average visit, we see our family like once or twice a year. You know, we moved away from them <laughs> twice uh, and we left North Carolina after all my family uh, moved there. And yeah, I mean, that was 2015 and it, probably a handful of times, you know, one or two, maybe three times a year we see each other in person. And then during the pandemic, zero times. And uh, yeah, it's a, I'm just going on a whole thing, but I'm just, you know, when I think about it, it's like, yeah, that's, that's part of what made life used to feel, I guess, better was it was just like, I wasn't, it's like, okay, I have a job and I'll go there every day and I'll do it and then it'll be done and then I'll come home. And that was that. And, and then really the most important thing is like, Hey, but you know what? Uh, I'm going to see my parents for dinner. Uh, my in-laws are going to come over and see us this weekend. And then on Sunday, we're going to do this. And then, uh, oh, next Tuesday, I'm having drinks with some friends. And then the following Saturday, I'm going to go over to uh, Nate's and, uh, and watch TV and play with his kids and hang out and have, some, have a beer or two or something like that. And just that like basic stuff. And, and here in, in Nashville, we're surrounded by people who do that because they, a lot of them are from here. And all their family and friends just all kind of live in the neighborhood and it's very tight knit. And it's like, yeah, it's, sometimes it's hard, man. It's hard to like to see that, you know, everybody kind of knows everybody and it's all just, it reminds me of where I grew up, except I'm an outsider and it's, it's, it's strange. And so I, yeah, that's, that's, that's all part of it. But like, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just, there's like a whole, it's weird. Life's weird. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's all. I gotta go. I really am. I now I'm now I've missed like all of lunch talking to you, goddamn motherfuckers. <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, I don't know what's the point of any of this. I, yeah, I, I miss a lot of people. I guess that's all. I've said that before in this podcast, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, this summer will be a remedy to that to some to some uh, degree. But yeah, it's of course the irony is that the weekend that everything shut down was when I was going to go out and like see all my friends because it was like, oh, it was so great. We had a, a wedding in November of 2019 and it was like, oh, this is this is what it's like, man, just hanging out, um, seeing everybody. And uh, and and then a few months later, like, all right, Shimo's 40th birthday. Here I come. Going to hang out, going to spend the night Uh or maybe I was going to, I don't know what my plan was, but, and then, then, then it just, the whole world shut down and <laughs> that kind of derailed that. But yeah, so hopefully better late than never. Hopefully we can get back to that, uh, this, this summer, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a weird, it's just weird. Everything is weird. Everything's stupid. Fuck you. All right. I gotta go. See ya.